Part four, chapter five of Canada's Hundred Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. Canada's Hundred Days by John Livesay. Part four, chapter five. Capture of Valenciennes. The Canadian Corps had now been held up a week along the left bank of the Scheldt, harassed by constant fire from the other side, and no progress was possible until an advance had been made on the city along the right bank through Main, Famas, and Aulnois. To understand the situation, a brief description is necessary. Valenciennes lies in the valley of the Scheldt, at the junction of that river with the Rhonelle the civic insignia representing two swans emblematic of the two rivers the city slopes up from the canal to heights on the east crowned by the museum and a handsome modern water tower further east beyond its outskirts is still higher ground we have seen how tiant lies on the right bank of the elbow of the scheldt to the south where it is joined by the Ecaillon river Two thousand yards lower along the right bank is the straggling and low-lying town of Mans, and from here down to Valenciennes and thence to Conde, enemy engineers had inundated the bed of the canal to a width of a thousand yards, and in certain areas a great deal more, making passage by troops in face of machine-gun fire impossible. Parallel to the Scheldt, two thousand yards distance at the narrowest point the ronelle river also flows south to valenciennes and between these two streams a tongue of high land runs from behind Mans to the southern suburbs two thousand yards east by north of Mans is the village of famas occupying high ground overlooking the ronelle valley fifteen hundred yards further north and about three thousand yards south of valenciennes is the dominating feature of montui whose height of eighty-three meters raises it some forty or fifty meters above the valleys on either side from this point the ridge falls down gently to valenciennes but on its southwest and west faces the hill presents sharp steep contours clothed in wood and making it very difficult to assault from that direction. The approach from Famars is more open, and the rise less abrupt. The position is one of considerable natural strength, of which the enemy had made best use, turning scattered farmhouses into machine-gun posts and establishing batteries along the ridge. In particular, the steelworks on the Scheldt west and northwest of montui had been strongly fortified from these an entrenched line had been dug right athwart the ridge east and west just behind montui due east to connect with the village of aulnois lying in the valley of the ronelle behind all was the determination of the enemy to make a definite stand in front of valenciennes backed by the inundated areas of the scheldt he here sought to hold a pivot 
on which the retreat now in progress both north and south might be firmly based the narrative of the first army quoted above thus describes what was happening on our immediate right Quote, october twenty five the attack was renewed on the twenty second corps front and the fifty first division cleared up the ground to near the valenciennes nequesnois railway at six p m the enemy after throwing over a great weight of high explosive and gas shells made a counter-attack the argyle and sutherlands on the left who like the rest had been wearing gas masks that day for hours got up rushed with the bayonet to meet the counter-attack drove it back and actually advanced their position about five hundred yards during the earlier counter-attacks the enemy had lost very many men in spite of the fact that he used low-flying planes gunning our men to keep down their fire the fourth british division pushed on and took querinet in the afternoon the enemy counter-attacked but fruitlessly the ronelle was now immediately in front the twenty second corps line ran from the inundation southwest of valenciennes in a southeasterly direction to the bavay road the inundation line was turned and had advanced to the northeast with the left flank on the flooded area would free valenciennes to secure the crossing of the ronelle the fourth british division successfully established a bridgehead east of the village of atra preparations were now made for an attack to cross the ronelle take Presseau, and the heights to the immediate south of valenciennes while the canadians were to attack from the west through the gaps in the flooded area these operations would mean the restoration to france of valenciennes the only remaining french town of importance on the british front it meant also that the elaborately prepared system of inundation which the enemy had by much destruction of valuable works set up as a barrier had proved futile to arrest the rapid advance of the british army Quote, october twenty sixth on the twenty second corps front south of valenciennes the fifty first division attacked again and took famars a dominant hill between the canal and the aulnois famars road some got to montuy but were unable to remain famars which was full of civilians was suffering from the enemy's high explosive and especially gas shelling a french officer in liaison succeeded in getting a number of these civilians out little by little october twenty seventh the enemy counter-attacked again and got into famars the gordons ejected him retook the village and kept it october twenty eighth an attack was again made on montuy and the sea force got through to a Bosch trench on the north of the aulnois poirien road but the enemy was resolved to hold this hill and by a strong counter-attack forced our troops back to the southwest of we wood october twenty eighth and twenty nine on this night the forty ninth division began to relieve the fifty first as fighting was going on 
the sixth argyles were temporarily left with the incoming forty ninth and repulsed two counter-attacks that morning before leaving the line thus keeping up the unsurpassed record of the fifty first for being in all the fighting and carrying success with them in all situations no division of the entire army has done sterner more efficient nor more constant fighting than these glorious territorials of the north in a direct attack over this same ground by the canadian corps its long flank on the other side of the scheldt instead of being as hitherto a weakness could be turned to good account because all our batteries could be brought to play upon the high ground around Fermaz and Montuy, and after the miscarriage described above, the decision was reached that the 4th Canadian Division should make the attempt. The task was entrusted to the 10th Brigade, to whose command Brigadier General J. M. Ross, former commander of the 5th Brigade, but who had now returned recovered from the wound he had received in the Amiens show, had succeeded on the appointment of Brigadier General R. J. F. Hayter to be Brigadier General General Staff. Throughout these operations and until the last few days, the BGGS of the Canadian Corps, parentheses, who might be described as Chief of Staff, close parentheses, had been a very capable Imperial officer, Brigadier General N. W. Weber, but the latter had now rejoined the British Army. General Hayter, however, was not to be kept out of this show, and during its progress he established himself at headquarters of his old brigade with General Ross at Maine. The 10th Brigade relieved the 22nd Corps in the section immediately south of the Scheldt on the night of October 29-30 the attack being set for the morning of November 1, when in conjunction the 12th Brigade and troops of the 3rd Canadian Division were to endeavor to establish crossings of the canal north of the city. Preparations for the attack are thus described by the Corps Commander. Quote, Orders were received that the Canadian Corps was to carry out all three phases of the operation against Valenciennes in conjunction with attacks of the 22nd Corps. Accordingly, the 4th Canadian Division was ordered to relieve the left brigade of the 51st Division during the night of October 29-30, on the line then held, and to be prepared to carry out the attack on the morning of November 1. In conjunction with the attack, the 3rd Canadian Division was ordered to cross the canal and the inundated area on its front, and establish a bridgehead to enable the engineers to reconstruct the bridges leading into the city. In the short period available, elaborate preparations were made for the support of the attack. The position was eminently suitable for the use of enfilade as well as frontal fire, the general direction of the attack on Montuy being parallel to our front and full advantage of this was taken in arranging the artillery and machine-gun barrages. The application of heavy artillery fire was restricted because the enemy had retained many civilians in Valenciennes and the adjoining villages. Strict orders were issued that the city and villages 
were not to be bombarded, with the exception of a row of houses on the eastern side of the canal, which were occupied by a large number of machine guns. To hinder the good observation which the enemy would otherwise have been able to enjoy from the city and village, very elaborate arrangements were made to place heavy smoke screens along certain areas. Despite great difficulties of transport, the supplies of ammunition, bridging material, etc., moved forward were sufficient, and before dawn on November 1, all preparations were completed. The time for the assault was fixed for 5.15 a.m. November 1. The plan of attack was as follows. Quote, the right brigade of the 4th Canadian Division, parentheses 10th Canadian Infantry Brigade, Brigadier General J.M. Ross, close parentheses, southeast of the canal, was to carry out the attack at zero hour under a coordinated barrage in a northerly direction and capture Montui, Aulnoir, and the high ground south of Valenciennes, and then to exploit the success by pushing on to the high ground east of the city. Subsequently, the troops northwest of the canal, parentheses left brigade, 4th Canadian Division, and the 3rd Canadian Division, close parentheses, were to force crossings north of the city and encircle it from that side. Zero hour was set for 5.15 a.m., and the men went into the attack in the dark, supported by a concentric barrage of great power. All the first objectives were gained by the hour set, 8 a.m., our troops being aided in their advance when dawn broke by a very efficient smoke barrage, completely obscuring the enemy's observation. The attack was made by the 44th Battalion of New Brunswick, though originally recruited at Winnipeg, on the right, with the 47th Battalion, Western Ontario, on the left. After taking Fermat, which again had fallen into enemy hands, the 44th fought their way into Aulnois, where it was only after hand-to-hand -hand fighting that the enemy was overcome. The 46th Battalion, South Saskatchewan, here leapfrogged, pushing on the attack along the left bank of the Ronelle to the outskirts of Marley, a suburb on the southwest of the city, where were more steelworks stoutly defended. Meantime, on the left, the 47th had captured Montui and the trench system beyond, where the 50th Battalion, Calgary, came up in support, pushing on the attack along the ridge we encountered bitter resistance from enemy machine-gun posts, particularly from the garrison established in the Poirien farm, composed of very young troops who fought recklessly, refusing to surrender even when we were upon them with the cold steel and bombs. We captured here twenty machine-guns. Some other of the enemy troops were not so steadfast, a whole company surrendering, its officers saying that they had heard overnight that Austria had surrendered, and it was useless for Germany to fight longer. It developed that the enemy was preparing to attack that morning with three regiments, and these were smothered by our barrage, his losses being exceptionally heavy, particularly along the Ronelle Valley. In this very brilliant action, the 10th Brigade captured over 1,800 prisoners, 
more than the entire strength of its infantry engaged, and we buried 800 Bosch on the field. It was dashing work, calling for individual initiative and sacrifice, as the following incident will illustrate. During the attack of the 46th Battalion, Sergeant Hugh Cairns of North Saskatoon found that his platoon was being exposed to the fire of a machine-gun post. Without a moment's hesitation, he seized a Lewis gun and single-handed, in face of direct fire, rushed the post, killing the crew of five and capturing the gun. Later, when the line was held up by machine-gun fire, he again rushed forward, killing twelve of the enemy and capturing eighteen with two guns. Still further on, when the advance was held up by both field and machine-gun fire, and although wounded, he led a small party and outflanked the position, killing many, forcing about fifty to surrender, and capturing all the guns. Not content with this, after our line had been consolidated, he went forward with a battle patrol to exploit Marley, held by the enemy in force, and after a stiff fight forced sixty of the enemy to surrender. Whilst disarming this party, he was severely wounded by fresh enemy elements. Nevertheless, he opened fire on these and inflicted heavy losses. Finally, he was rushed by about twenty enemy and collapsed from weakness and loss of blood. Throughout this operation, he showed the highest degree of valor, and his leadership greatly contributed to the success of the attack. He died from his wounds the following day. The events of this day are described in the narrative of the First Army as follows, quote, November 1, the capture of the ground south of Valenciennes between the Ronelle River and the Scheldt Canal was of extreme importance, so as to compel the enemy to evacuate the town. The Canadian Corps were holding the western approaches to the town and the western bank of the Scheldt Canal, and their guns were able to batter the tongue of land where the 51st Division had been fighting. An attack by Canadian troops in a northerly direction from about Aulnois could thus be supported by their artillery fire from south, west, and north, and offered the best and safest means of capturing Valenciennes. The Canadian Corps relieved the 22nd Corps, 51st Division, between the Ronelle and the Scheldt, and attacking in conjunction with the 22nd Corps, and they with the 3rd Army, in extremely severe fighting, took Montui and the western part of Alnois, also establishing a bridgehead north of Valenciennes over the inundations. A large concentration of artillery was used, and the enemy's losses were very heavy. Over 800 Germans were counted and buried in a small part of the battlefield near Alnois, on which the fire of 42 six-inch howitzers parentheses among other calipers, close parentheses, was concentrated. The Germans resolutely fought to defend the whole position and clung with determination to the watery corner near Conde. But their defenses were constructed to resist attack from the west, and the attack of the Canadians from the south was too much for them. As the northern division of the 22nd Corps 
between the 4th. Canadian and 4th. British Divisions, the 49th. Division jumped off from a line northeast of Famars to halfway between Famars and Atra towards the Rhonelle. This they crossed and advanced as far as the Presseau-Marly Road to the Marly Steelworks. The fighting was very severe, the enemy holding strongly. To their south, the 4th British Division crossed the river. Curiously enough, the crossing was facilitated by the fact that the enemy had left many felled trees lying from bank to bank, across which our men walked. Some of the 4th got into Presseau, but the enemy launched a counterattack with a fresh division, and our troops were pushed out. In the afternoon, four companies of Canadians entered Valenciennes from the west. 2,750 prisoners were taken in this action. At 8 a.m., so soon as the success of the operation to the south was established, the 12th Canadian Infantry Brigade began drifting outposts across the canal into Valenciennes, establishing posts along the east side, seizing the railway and yards, and holding a line in the southern outskirts of the city up to the Place de Fermat inclusive. This was a very dashing operation and owed much of its success to the fine cooperation of Canadian engineers and artillery, gunners of the 58th CFA, wrapping the wheels of an 18-pounder in carpet, brought the gun down secretly at night into a house on the west side of the canal, just opposite an enemy machine-gun post known to command the only practical crossing. At zero hour next morning, the gun was fired through the wall at a point-blank range of only a few yards, blowing the machine guns and crews into the air. The 38th Battalion of Ottawa crossed over the locks on the southwest of the city by a footbridge under a heavy enfilading fire from machine guns and proceeded to consolidate the line of the railway. A party of our troops began working their way thence north into the old town, but just beyond the Place de Fermat, a Frenchwoman ran out, waving them back. The enemy had established a battery, sweeping the boulevard with wire entanglements beyond, and but for this timely warning, the party must have been wiped out. Simultaneously, the 72nd Battalion of Vancouver effected a crossing lower down the canal, and after sharp fighting succeeded in establishing a line on the northwest outskirts of the city. Orders were given to hold the line thus won that night, the object being to save casualties and possible destruction of the city by street fighting. Early next morning, November 2, the 38th, supported on the right by troops of the 11th Brigade, who had passed through the 10th Brigade in the night, and on the left by the 72nd Battalion, passed through the city to its eastern boundary. Two Canadian gunners, with two French interpreters, at ten o'clock that morning, swarmed up the tower of the Hotel de Ville, cut down the German standard, and hoisted the tricolor. Valenciennes was ours, but the enemy still clung tenaciously to the ridge immediately east of the city. We attacked in force again, and drove him out of the strong positions he held between Saint-Salva and the Chateau Uris. 
on our right the twenty second corps after being checked at noon on november one by determined counterattacks had pushed on and established contact with us at marley further down the canal troops of the third canadian division ably supported by canadian engineers had succeeded in consolidating a bridgehead north of the city sir arthur curry's account of this day's fighting is as follows quote, at five fifteen a m november one the attack was launched and from the first went entirely according to plan on the canadian corps front the enemy barrage dropped quickly and was very heavy but shortly afterwards slackened down under the influence of our effective counter-battery fire in the meantime the attacking infantry got well away advancing under a most excellent barrage and reached their objective the line of the valenciennes mauberge railway on time right behind the barrage the fighting during the advance was heavy especially around the houses along the famas valenciennes road and in alnois the thoroughness of the preparations made for this small but important battle is better illustrated by the following striking figures number of enemy dead buried over eight hundred prisoners captured over one thousand eight hundred parentheses exceeding the number of assaulting troops close parentheses our casualties approximately eighty killed and three hundred wounded on the left the left brigade of the fourth canadian division and the third canadian division had in the meantime succeeded in crossing the canal bridgeheads were established north of the city the station and railway yards were seized and the engineers commenced the construction of bridges the enemy did not counter-attack against the canadian corps during the day but continued to hold out strongly in the southern outskirts of valenciennes and marley and in the steelworks to the southeast until dark two counter-attacks against the twenty second corps front on the right caused some anxiety but that flank was strengthened and no trouble developed during the night the fourth canadian division took over an additional brigade frontage from the forty ninth division twenty second corps on the right preparatory to the capture of the high ground east of marley patrols of the fourth canadian division pushed forward during the night and ascertained that the enemy was withdrawing in the early morning our troops had completely cleared valenciennes and marley and patrols had entered san salva end of part four chapter five recording by james o'connor randolph massachusetts november two thousand ten